Today's podcast is sponsored by Lara Bar, the original fruit and nut bar brand. Founder Lara American believes that a healthy mind and body begins from within. That's why she created a range of indulgent and delicious bars made from six real ingredients as close to their natural state as possible for more mindful snacking. Lara Bar gives you a tasty treat made of simple, minimally processed, vegan and gluten-free ingredients without added sugar and flavors. Simple, real, delicious. Head over to larabar.co.uk to see all the flavors on offer. Today I'm joined by Ben Aldridge, who writes about practical philosophy, comfort zones, mental health and adventure. His first book, How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, 43 Weird and Wonderful Ways to Build a Strong, Resilient Mindset, is an exploration of unique ways to leave our comfort zones, face our fears and overcome our anxieties. Heavily influenced by Stoicism, Buddhism, popular psychology and CBT, Ben's challenges encourage us to experience personal growth that we can only gain from pushing ourselves to the limit. Exploring mental resilience is something that he's extremely passionate about to cultivate mental strength. By challenging ourselves in different ways, Ben believes we can become better, stronger and more alive human beings. Hi Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here chatting with you. Well, I'm really pleased because you did our festival earlier this year in 2020 when we took the London Wellbeing Festival online and then you hosted your workshop with us. Uh, And it was so well received and I'm really pleased that we can introduce you in more detail to our audience. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that was really fun, actually. It was great that we could still do the event and the fact that it could go online and uh, we could still deliver the workshops. That was really good. And it was very exciting to get all the feedback from people who turned up and taken some of the advice and started to put it into practice. So it was a really good experience. And also with the book, when the book came out, getting that feedback from readers has been mm-hmm. um, extremely rewarding. And it's lovely to hear how people are, are challenging themselves and, and all the crazy things that people have got up to. I love yes, getting pic- random pictures of people like, here, I've just taken a cold shower. Um, oh. <laughs> I can't, thanks. <laughs> Obviously, they're wearing clothes. It's not... You know, oh, it's right, not, okay. Not, <laughs> I wasn't clear, Ben. <laughs> yeah, because when you did your workshop with us earlier this year, it was just before your book had come out. And then people have had an incredible reaction to your book because it's so full of amazing things. It's a 43 weird and wonderful ways to build a strong, resilient mindset. So I know that you've given, you initially said to me last time when we spoke um, a while ago when we were doing an Insta Live that there are actually so many more and you whittled it down to these 43. How many were there originally and how did you choose the exercises that you ended up putting in your book? Yeah, so initially there were the hundreds of different things that (laughs) I'd been doing and some of them were probably quite they're not that interesting, to be honest, because at the time when I started creating this list of challenges, I was in a very anxious place. So initially, the things that I started to do were quite small, like catching the bus, or walking to the bench in the local park. So these are things that I do sort of mention about some of the smaller challenges, but really, that built up over time, and I started doing more crazy things. And and actually, the 43 were the ones that were the most varied challenges and kind of represented the cross-section of different things that I'd been doing. So it felt like it was it was an editorial thing where we just came up with this uh, this list out of all the, the things that I'd been up to. And uh, those were the ones that had nice anecdotes as well yeah. and really good lessons that I could talk about. Because that's the key really with a lot of the things I write about 
is focusing on the lesson. You can do a challenge or you do something that pushes you out of your comfort zone. But the key is really to look at the lesson and take home from that experience. And those 43 in the book, they all had pretty important lessons for me when I was doing them. So that's how they made their way into the book. You mentioned that you were experiencing anxiety and that those other examples that you just mentioned that wouldn't have made it into the book, but would have actually seemed like challenges at the time. You do share in your book that experience of anxiety in the US. Would you mind sharing just a snippet of it for our listeners um, so that they know what we're talking about and how that sort of kickstarted this journey? So everything that I'm doing now is off the back of uh, anxiety and off the back of a time in my life where I was suddenly hit with severe and debilitating panic attacks and anxiety and it came out of the blue. There was no reason that I could see. There was no clear trigger. Nothing had happened to cause them as such. There was no horrific event. It was just, just literally came out of the blue and I had no system in place for dealing with it. And it, it struck me in the US. I was on a, a road trip with my girlfriend and I suddenly started to get all of these very physical symptoms. And at first I thought it was jet lag, but then it just, just carried on the whole time we were there. And like shaking hands, racing heart, constantly feeling sick. And there was this fear that just never went away. And loads of different situations would exacerbate that. And I would just get really panicky and didn't really understand what was happening. So to cut a long story short, basically came back to the UK and went to the doctor, assuming that I had some kind of physical terminal illness my mind was in a very bad place I thought how could any of this be coming from my mind so when the doctor diagnosed it as anxiety and panic attacks it really threw me because I didn't think that my mind could be so powerful mm. and then I was given a few things that I could do a few options that the doctor suggested but actually I'm quite stubborn and I wanted to understand the situation before I made any decisions so I started reading extensively on philosophy and psychology and all of these different things that would ultimately help me to understand my mind better and understand how to deal with that anxiety. And it's from all of this studying and all of these different ideas that I came across the idea of stepping outside of your comfort zone and how if you lean into things that you're scared of, you can build resilience. Well, looking back on it, were there no earlier experiences or smaller manifestations of that anxiety that then eventually built up into that big experience that you had do you feel like it was something that you had been dealing with as just part of ordinary life I think yeah when I look back and I see when I think about my life before that event before going to the US and it all just taking over mm. there were isolated events of anxiety they were quite clearly anxiety but I think it's uh, because they were kind of one-off and they didn't have that I didn't wait them at all they were just mm. events where maybe I felt a bit funny or um, maybe I had something that might have been close to a panic attack, but it was never quite the same. And, and actually it was that for whatever reason, it had just it just came at that point. And uh, I think not having a system in place was the, the biggest issue. Mm. Not And also being so badly educated on mental health. I didn't, yeah. didn't even know what anxiety meant or I didn't know what a panic attack was. You feel like you have a heart attack. Yeah, definitely. I think now it's become something that we're much more able to talk about in the mainstream. And I think younger people, for sure, is very much part of their vocabulary, I think more for millennials um, and certainly for the generations above um, or sort of older than millennials. It was never something that was talked about. So coping mechanisms, of course, weren't something that were 
were readily available for people to pick up on and and learn absolutely you're making me feel very old oh really <laughs> no but you're you're right it's the, the the stigma is changing and and it wasn't something that when I was at school no one ever spoke about mental health and I didn't know anything about it mm. so it's great that people are talking about their experiences and sharing their story because mm. as soon as people start to to raise the profile of um, mental health then this is a great thing because people start to understand it better and they start to see that it's actually okay to talk about your, your problems and I think uh, mm. off the back of that we can see really good change happening and it's yeah, great to great to see that. So, which books were the ones that you went for when when you wanted to educate yourself on this? And after you got diagnosed with having had an anxiety attack, I think I just bought so many books. Went into the went into the the bookshop and just like honestly, I spent so much money just trying to figure out wow. what was going on. And lo I just tried everything. Just started reading extensively on different ideas and some of the ones that really jump out. Um, I love Mindset by Carol Dweck mm. and not that that's directly related to anxiety but it's it's really interesting to think about attitude towards mm. life so I love that I write about that in my book quite a bit I really enjoyed The Chimp Paradox I think that was a very interesting read because it talks about more of the scientific side of how our brains work and understanding how the mind works a little better was was really good and loads of things feel the fear and do it anyway was a, yeah. a very influential book and I got into stoicism as well and actually that that's probably the the system of thought that changed everything yeah, the ancient greek philosophy stoicism and uh, started reading loads of books on that and yeah I really connected with that some of the ideas within stoicism made a huge difference to me so this experience really opened up a whole world of self-development and growth and knowledge for you actually so you actually use that experience as something that completely transformed the way you looked at life yeah so something that was initially so negative and mm -hmm. it was just couldn't have been worse at the time in my mind because uh, my mind was in such a bad place um, in hindsight it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me which is so it's so funny to say that because <laughs> honestly at the time I was I would not be thinking that um, looking back, I seem like a completely different person when I look at what place I was in. And, and actually, it is 100% one of the greatest experiences because from that, I've learned so much about myself and I've started to um, to do all these different things and to share my uh, journey with people and, and, and hopefully help some people as well along the way. Yeah, definitely. Of these 43 ways that you've outlined, you've listed different uh, difficulties, how long they would take. So there's something that people can literally just dive in, flick to something and figure out how they're going to fit it into them. Are these things that people can do even if they've never experienced anxiety or never experienced something that they feel they want to get stronger for and it's more like a, something they can add to their toolkit so that it doesn't happen to them? Because life is full of challenges. Someone might be thinking, why do I need to add more ways? Yeah, that's a great question. I think in reality, this this <laughs> this concept is uh, is for everyone, and it doesn't matter if you're in an anxious space before you do this. Uh, to be honest, it's it's about getting used to how you personally handle adversity and difficulty and challenge. And so, this was something that that the idea really behind this whole project is directly from what I was saying earlier, stoicism, and the Stoics used to do this thing called voluntary discomfort in order to build resilience. So they would deliberately push themselves out of their comfort zones. They would challenge themselves. 
to prepare for future adversity. So it's this kind of controlled environment where they would push themselves and they were quite crazy. They would expose themselves to the cold and the heat, um, sleep on the floor and fast from food and water and engage in physical activities. What triggered that? Because for you, you were triggered by the experience, right? And then that that caused you to go into that way of thinking and that mindset. Do we know what inspired the Stoics to come up with the philosophy that is now Stoicism? So, well, this is one aspect of Stoicism. And actually, this this particular concept is directly stolen from um, the Cynics who came before. They were even more extreme than the Stoics. So um, they would do things that were even more bizarre. So they were like extreme monks and would have no possessions. And one of the famous cynics lived in a barrel, Diogenes. And um, I mean, you just read some of the things that they get up to. It's it's really interesting. But you can see how they directly influenced Stoicism, that thought of, uh, I guess it's that, you know, you prepare for adversity by practicing adversity Mm. so that you learn how you deal with a little bit of hardship. And I think it's it, it's a way that we can learn how to prepare for things. So that's just one element of stoicism. And that's the thing that I really connected to. I love the Rocky movies and I love the, yeah. the idea of training your mind because I'd always, you, you know, you can train your body in the gym or by doing physical activity, but where do you go to train your mind? Yeah. And I really like that idea. So a lot of these challenges are about that training your mind and learning how you cope when things get difficult. Mm. And it's important to try a whole host of different things because you can be pushed outside of your comfort zone in many different ways. I think Mm. it's important to explore that. There has to be a willingness to actually look at your own state of mind when you're going through these, right? Because they're not just tasks to tick off a list saying, yep, done that, done that, done that, done a Rubik's Cube. I've told you before, I've never done a Rubik's Cube, never finished one. I don't understand how people do them. They're just like, (laughs) they're like, so they're from another planet for me. But there are other things that I can do much more effortlessly that other people might struggle with. So it really is about looking at your own state of mind when you're going through the challenges, right? It's not just bucket list things that you want to achieve oh yeah absolutely everything has a higher purpose so it's essentially like a philosophical exercise and you're always paying attention to your mind when you're doing it so the rubik's cube is a good example because let's face it learning to solve the rubik's cube it's not going to make all your problems go away it's not really going to change your life that much thank thank you for giving me that endorsement (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing right so it's the individual maybe the individual challenges aren't going to make a difference just as one-off things necessarily, but it's it's paying attention to what your mind does whilst you're doing it. And that's where there's a huge amount of value. Mm. You can take less, it's always looking for the lesson. So what is the Rubik's Cube teaching you? Well, it's teaching you consistency, <laughs> following through with things. It's, it's teaching you how to work with your own frustrations. And if you see it as just the skill itself, then you're missing like the half of it. So I think there's a, there's a lot of value. <laughs> so yeah that's that's definitely something you should do (laughs) amazing and what are the other aspects of stoicism that you feel were um quite significant for you to take it on as a kind of like a philosophy is it fair to say that you've kind of taken it on because i know there are other ones that you've taken on you've there was cbt there's buddhism that you've taken on but stoicism is one that you're leaning towards a bit more at the moment is that fair to say yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, one of the, the dominant philosophies. It's just a, a kind of like a lens through which we can view the world. And I think that there's so many ideas that I really like within Stoicism. And it's a good system 
the idea that was also very helpful along with the voluntary discomfort is that they talk a lot about control mm-hmm. and how ultimately we can't control a lot the only thing we can control is our response and there's a brilliant quote by epictetus one of the famous stoic philosophers and it's it doesn't matter what happens to us but how we respond to it um and every, you know we can set the intention to do something but life can get in the way and we might never be able to do that um and that's there's so many things outside of our control and actually a lot of our dissatisfaction comes from thinking that we have control over things that we don't when actually we really don't have a lot of control that's what the stoic thought is that we do have control over how we respond to things that happen to us and that's where our power lies in how we choose to deal with all of the things that crop up so we can set the intention to do something but we have to be prepared that things can go wrong and that actually we can't control whether that outcome happens mm. and but we can control how we respond to all of the bumps in the road and that's that's quite a powerful philosophy and a way of thinking because it's taking 100% responsibility for mm. the way that you deal with whatever happens in life and it gives us power again in a sort of a situation where we don't feel like we have any power yeah it actually links really beautifully to um i know lots of people talk about happiness and experiences of happiness and and that really roots us in the understanding that happiness isn't in the outcome it's not in what comes after it but but it teaches us to actually allow ourselves to experience that happiness in the moment in the process of whatever it is that we're doing as opposed to postponing it to something else yeah and i think that if we can focus on how we respond to everything that crops up in life then mm. that's something that's consistent isn't it we can't guarantee things in life but we can try and respond in a certain way and that's that's quite powerful and actually i think um there's a lot of value in that that's something that i found particularly helpful over the last couple of months since being in lockdown and yeah. dealing with as we see there's so many things happening in the modern world that we can't control this philosophy can be really applicable for people that maybe have also overcome a little bit of anxiety so that they're in a position to be able to hear it because like you said earlier when it was really when you're in the throes of it even walking to the bench would have been a challenge and many people that might be listening to us today might be experiencing a lot of anxiety in their lives I know that it's increased so much um, especially during lockdown and so many people do you have to have overcome it to a certain extent to be able to apply these sorts of principles like if if you are struggling just to get out of bed in the morning or to basic functions, if you're struggling with those. I think you can use it in whatever capacity is going to work for you. And I think it's important for us to create little challenges around where we are in our lives. So in the book, I encourage people to build their own challenges and think about things that would personally push them out of their comfort zone. So maybe you might be in quite an anxious space. So for you, you can set simple challenges that are based around your life that will slightly push you. Maybe you can decide that you're going to get in the car by yourself if you're quite afraid of driving or, if you know, you might go and get in the car more and little things. And it's going to change for whoever you are. And I think that can be quite fun. We can play around with that. I say fun, but probably at the time, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but there's... Um, I like this idea. I spoke about this in my workshop before as well. The idea of an anti-bucket list. Yes, I loved that concept. It's quite fun and lots of people really um, latch onto it. They really like it. So the concept is, we know what the bucket list is, that you want to do X, Y and Z before you you die. You want to go to Vegas and see the Northern Lights or whatever. 
um i think it's yeah it, it's it's uh it's really fun um the the anti-bucket list is the complete opposite so it's things that you don't want to do before you die and as adults it's very easier for us to avoid doing things like that no. so it, it's based around fears and things that we don't want to do that this is a great way to practice discomfort this is the perfect example of voluntary discomfort so i'll give you my perfect example in my life so i had a real fear of needles yeah so i turned that into an anti-bucket list challenge i don't want to go near needles and at the time it, the thought of it was just terrible hated them so much so i turned that into a challenge where i would go and have acupuncture which is something that if you're afraid of needles doing something <laughs> like that is again the last thing you're going to want to do but the amount of personal growth that you can gain from pushing through these um, fears and these things that you're struggling with is massive. So I, you end up having you and you experience that. Oh, it was all over hair, like in my hair, on my face, my stomach, <laughs> arms, legs. I mean, did you I was see pretty... it? Or you could just feel it. Like I think seeing things like that would also make it a bit worse, or not yeah you can't really see because you're lying on your back and there's needles in your in your scalp and you're like all over um and then they just they left me to cook with the needles in for about 20 minutes but honestly having done that and actually having done it quite a few times it changed my relationship with that fear and it's a counterintuitive approach to fear but this is this is something that therapists will use it's not just some bogus like approach to um to life the theory is fear exposure. So if you're afraid of something, you expose yourself to it a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. And then gradually you desensitize your mind to that fear. And then eventually you can deal with that fear. You can be around it. And this is, this is exactly what we do. Now? After your 20 minute bake. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> yeah, 20 minute bake. I, I feel like, yeah, it's completely different. Before the thought of acupuncture was just horrific, but now, yeah, no problem at all. Um, and it's just accumulative, uh, just doing it, you know, a little and often and attacking these fears. And actually, we can play around with our fears. We can have a bit of fun with that. Yeah, I, I know. it. I know it sounds bizarre and counterintuitive, but actually, there's a lot of growth that we can experience off the back of it. I don't so, think it's counterintuitive at all, to, especially to our listeners who are very much um, interested in in um spiritual side of optimization and and growth and impacting mind and mindset and things like that well that's good and uh, what i've loved is hearing how different people respond to this and different challenges different things that people create yeah. off the back of the anti-bucket list so yeah. deep water is one i think you, you were telling me you had a, an issue with deep water was that you well yeah actually very well remembered i think i told you that about six months ago yeah so <laughs> I love the ocean and I sail and I surf and I dive and all of these things. But there is something about swimming in, in open water, like black water, basically, that is so deep and so yeah. far away from anything that, yeah, because I've seen, I've seen Blue Planet. I've, I've seen what's down there. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, seen, I've seen that there's a whole other universe down there. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, that's a brilliant, that's a brilliant <laughs> thing for you to try and you can explore something yeah. like that. So like an open water swimming event so there's marshals and there's you know there's safety involved it's, yeah. you know, it's not, <laughs> not doing anything too dangerous but we've got you know you could just see that in itself as that's going to be even harder for you because you're having to deal with that mental resistance to yeah. the, the dark water but we can have fun with it we can it doesn't have to be a, a horrific exercise in resilience it can be we can play around with it and i think that element of play is important 
when we're challenging ourselves and we should look for fun ways to push ourselves and even if it's a bit scary we can still have fun as long as we're learning as long as we're taking lessons away so when you first in this chat mentioned the anti-bucket list of things that you don't want to do before you die and then you're also talking about comfort zone and challenges where my mind went in this conversation today wasn't on tasks and challenges but it was more about life things you know there will be many people especially now you know you'll see it on instagram and people saying oh we asked these old people what their views are on xyz and if they could do anything or not do anything before they died do they do those things also count as an anti-bucket list someone would probably say oh i wish i told someone that i loved them or um, you know just as an example a bunch of things like that what do you reckon do they count or are we talking about achievable tasks that are then just done and that can be wiped off? I think it, it, it varies from person to person. However you want to see it, your anti-bucket list is going to look so different from mine. And that's the beauty. <laughs> so there might be things that, you know, they might make it onto the anti-bucket list, but should they be there? Maybe if you, your example of, oh, you really want to tell someone how you feel about them, but... You don't want to have you know. not told them. Yeah, you know, it's exploring and also just like listing it, having a look at the things that scare you. Mm. And that could be the thought of maybe changing careers or something. Mm. Maybe it's not not so much an anti-bucket list, like, oh, you don't want to do it, but Mm. maybe you you like the thought of changing your career in the future. But actually, it's something (laughs) that you can explore and you write it down and you look at it and you can play around with it and you can see how you could create challenges based off that or that you can explore those ideas but having having the pen and paper and actually just writing it down i think there's something um about that whole process that's quite interesting and insightful as well do you think do you think it can become can we take it too far yeah um because another thing that's popped into my head is you know there's there's um what are they called free divers that are in those sort of like webbed flying suits and they just jump off cliffs and mountains in norway what are they called? Yes, um, wingsuit, wingsuits, yeah. um, proximity flying. Yeah, um, based like a mix of base jumping and looking yes, like a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly, that's the one. Um, well, I'm not saying that everyone should do that, not at all. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's about exploring who we are as people. And because we're all so different, that's the key, really. I think for someone who's into base jumping and that's that's you know that's what they're doing with their life and for them that's that's a way that they express themselves and I think we just we can look at it and yeah I, I get what you mean that there can be this what's next next challenge next challenge yeah. but I think as long as there's a sort of lightness to it and you're just having fun and it's there's a higher purpose you know it's just that exploring who we are and it's just this this training ground and then naturally we're training for the things that happen to us in life and life is going to throw us plenty of curveballs. So mm, we can, uh, yeah, absolutely. And it will continue to throw us curveballs, whoever we are. That's the one thing we can guarantee that life is change and very unpredictable. We think we can predict what's going to happen, but we really can't. Life is just chaos. I like the idea of preparing in a, in a fun way. And yeah, we don't have to just keep pushing ourselves all the time, but we can, find a nice balance and bring it into our lives and see it as a an aspect of personal development that's ongoing. Did it stop you from experiencing anxiety? So having set these things for yourself, having set these challenges, shared them with other people, varying levels of challenges for yourselves with this stoic mindset, 
how has that impacted your experience of anxiety? Has it gone completely? Does it still sometimes come up in those moments? Do you then turn to one of the challenges to pull you out of it? Like, where are we at with that? How do they go hand in hand? How do they go together? Yeah, so my relationship with anxiety has completely changed. When it first uh, appeared in my life, I had nothing to, to use to manage it. And it was a very, very scary time. Yeah. But now it's completely different. And I am definitely not the panicky mess that I was. Um, I can't remember the last time I had a panic attack. And my anxiety is completely different. And also when I feel anxious about something now, I've got a bazillion ideas and tools that I can test out. And also I can look back at all of the challenges and things that I've done that I've managed to overcome. And I think looking backwards uh, and seeing these, these hurdles that you've managed to, to handle, that in itself is quite empowering and gives you a boost in confidence. That's another thing but, from your book, isn't it? Like writing down the achievements and the things that you've done. Yeah, we can we can spend some time reflecting on the good that happens to us each day. And that's a nice little thing. At the end of the day, just write down the small things that have been nice. Maybe it's just eating an ice cream or <laughs> someone held the door open for you. Or I don't they don't have to be huge things, but it's just learning to focus and look for gratitude. Yeah, I was going to say, these these are the little things that then make us more aware of how much gratitude we can experience in our lives. Someone might even think, gosh, I don't even think about when the door is held open for me or, you know, these sorts of things. Because if our, if our mind isn't there, if we're in an anxious spiral or if we're in a very stressed state, we don't even notice these things. I guess if you write them down, it helps you to look for them actively so that you become better at seeing them mm. when you sit down and you think okay what are the good things that happened to me today and then you go through your day and you start to pick out those little things the more you do that the easier it gets and you start to that gratitude comes quicker to the way that you um you view everything that happens to you yeah it's interesting how you put it that way because it makes it sound a little bit like um when people talk about vision boards or goal settings the purpose of that is that it then it, it triggers the reticular activation system so that then you see more of it around you as well, right? Because yeah. that's how yeah, yeah. writing those things down and primes us and makes us more able to see those things around us as well. When you were in the in the worst stages of your anxiety, was it even possible to write those sorts of things down? I mean, for me, I didn't even know about that exercise. <laughs> I didn't even know about it because <laughs> I had nothing in place uh, I didn't have any ideas to, to even test out. So for me, I think when I was in a very, very bad place with my anxiety, the number one thing that changed absolutely everything was reading, educating myself and just reading just so many, so many different books. And slowly my mindset started to change. And actually what I found particularly useful was testing out the ideas in the real world. And that's, that's where the challenges come in as well because you can test out the ideas and it's a great playground because you know you can deliberately scare yourself and you can test out all these different systems if they don't work then you can bin them you don't have to I use them say, did any of the tests not go the way you thought they would <laughs> well yeah some ideas you don't connect with as much um but then we're all different so it's it's pick it's you know creating that pick a mix uh and playing around and figuring out what works for us as individuals yeah. you know some people might not be into stoicism or they might not be into um the idea of a growth mindset but they might really connect to different 
concepts um, from, well, who knows where? Anywhere, yeah. you just start reading. Maybe they, they like having role models and they'll base their behavior on people that they admire. So they start to get into um, biographies and autobiographies and mm. start to use people who've achieved great things as an example of how they can live. So who knows where your inspiration is going to come from, but I think it's important to to explore that and then test it out. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that reading biographies and autobiographies is also a form of putting uh, stoic principles into practice? Because they might not be things that we would experience in our lives because the stories are, of course, very different. But the range of emotions and experiences are the same, even though the actual details of it might be different. Do you think that's also a stoic way to live? Because then you're seeing and understanding the challenges that someone else has been through um, and how they've overcome adversity and how they've developed that resilience and that strength and that mindset. Is that sometimes enough for us to take it on? And do we actually have to put in the physical work? Well, I think in Stoicism, they talk a lot about living a life of virtue. That's one of the main purposes of Stoicism. So it basically means living the best possible version of yourself in every instance. And um, the thing is that, you know, we're not always going to hit that. But looking at other people and how they handle adversity and things is is a great way for us to to ask ourselves when we're facing difficulty oh what would so and so do and that's a great that's a great exercise and and i do think that we can certainly see how that in itself is quite a stoic principle looking at how we're living are we living virtuously what would someone that we admire or someone who we think lives virtuously what would they do in this situation so yeah we can definitely benefit from that and are virtues universal in your in your opinion or are virtues again like you said before things that we define for ourselves or is it a mix of the two i think yeah we we can define that ourselves but there are certain principles within stoicism that, that they think oh okay these are these are important core ideals that we should try and you know have self-control and seek out wisdom and there's an element of you know justice and making sure that we live in you know very um controlled way and um in a but i think way but we said that um we don't have control but how in control in how we respond to things okay we take that that personal responsibility okay. um because yeah you're right so much is outside of our control but how do we how do we respond to it that's where our control is so yeah the, the control thing is really interesting in stoicism yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your workshop on Stoicism that you're doing with us a little bit later for people that are interested in the idea or is it for people that already know about it and want to explore it further? Is it for complete beginners? What's it about? Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about my relationship with Stoicism and I'm going to be giving a little bit of history, not too much history, but just enough to set the scene. You don't have to have any experience of Stoicism Mm. uh, for this workshop. And I'm just going to talk about people who use it in the modern world and give you some examples of how people can use it. And I'm going to talk about there's four pillars that I'm going to explore in detail. And these are exercises that we can use in our lives that are going to help us to, well, the goal is to live a better life. So that's the purpose of uh, all of this ultimately, you know, to cut everything else away from it and to be prepared for whatever might happen. So it's that balance, living a good life, preparing for whatever we face um so yeah there'll be a lot of exploration of that in the workshop and uh, i'll talk about some of the key philosophers as well but it's very practical i want to focus on that and lots of the the you the the examples are used in the modern world so people will be able to relate to it 
I think maybe we, we it might be quite enlightening on how much stoicism actually impacts society and our worlds as we know it. I mean, I think that a lot of the time I get to learn that something is a, you know, a stoic principle, but I just consider that a, like a British way of living. <laughs> I think so many of these ideas can be used in business, in life, for teaching children how to deal with uh, adversity and just a good kind of structured way to approach challenges that are going to crop up in our lives. People yeah. can just take take what they want. And really this whole the whole project for me in writing the book has been taking ideas from different places and creating my own. I like the idea of an operating system, the way mm -hmm. that you deal with the world. It's this my operating system is a compound of, you know, a little mm. bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Stoicism. Well, got a lot of Stoicism, lots yeah. of mindset theory, lots of ideas from CBT. And every time I learn a new, um, a new skill or I study a new philosophy, I can just extract the things that I find useful mm. and start to create this lens that I yeah. view the world through. Add it to our toolkit. Yeah, exactly. The ever-expanding toolkit, which is a lot of fun. It's testing oh, it out as well, it's seeing which principles work well for you. And then you know, when things crop up in life, we can rely on those tools. It's quite a unique time, isn't it, right now, that we can all benefit from all of this knowledge from all around the world and from different times as well. Because if you look at the things that you just listed just now, they're geographically quite far reaching um, through time as well. They span like huge timeframes, but you can apply them. You can extract them all, like you say, and apply them to your life today and I think you doing that can also inspire many other people to realize that they can do the same it's not just like one philosophy or one um way of living that that is going to have all the answers for them that in a world now where we're so exposed to so much stuff it is about creating that mix like a bespoke mix yeah absolutely and wisdom can come from so many different places and I think it's just having an open mind and getting out there and it's just seeing what ideas connect with you and it can be a very rewarding process because it ultimately it can help us to face what happens in everyday day-to-day -day life. Cool. And normally we're getting people that would perhaps share a meditation or a visualization technique that our listeners can um, practice and do uh, towards the end of our podcast. If you had to give something like that, what would, what would you give, Ben? What would you give our listeners? Would it be an exercise? Would it be a technique? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So this isn't a challenge, but this is a, an exercise that we can use um, okay. to cultivate gratitude, I think. Lovely. And this is a very stoic exercise. And the Stoics talk about negative visualization. So we know what positive visualization is, where we maybe we have a goal that we want in our lives, we want to achieve, and we visualize how we're going to do that. So the Stoics, they, they flip it and they talk about how we can cultivate gratitude by thinking what would happen if we removed something from our lives. So we can use this in many different contexts. We can use it for inanimate objects. Maybe your phone is a good example. Mm. Just imagine what would happen if you lost your phone. Spend some time, like almost just contemplating what it would be like to lose your phone. And actually, then when you focus on the fact you haven't lost it, there's a, there's a little bit of gratitude that comes off the back of that situation. And we can apply this to different um, situations in life as well. We can apply it to, to maybe work as well and people that we're with, what would happen if this relationship were to change. And so I think we can use this. It's, it's a really powerful exercise and that we can use to cultivate gratitude. I like that. What would you say to people that are more in the, in the camp of um, 
law of attraction and manifestation and you know mindset is one that we spoke about earlier because there might be people that are like well don't think about those things so consciously because okay you're doing it from seeing what happens when you realize that that's not the reality that you're in but what about the argument for that bringing in adverse states into our lives well i think they're two separate things i think what we're doing is we're not trying to um invoke a state of negativity what we're trying to do is cultivate gratitude and we're focused because it's very easy for us to be um take things for granted in our lives how much do we take for granted a lot and it's very easy for us to slip into that mindset so just thinking about actually what would it be like if we didn't have that and just contemplating that for a little bit we don't have to dwell on it and the key is not to dwell on it and not to lean into it and to turn it into something very negative Although it's called negative visualization, it's actually a very positive, the results are very positive. We're cultivating gratitude. So I think we can use this um, to great effects. And this is a very stoic principle. And yeah, for some people, they might find that difficult to focus on the negativity of, um, you know, losing something important to them. But actually, mm. it heightens that level of appreciation and gratitude in mm. the moment right now and focusing in reality um mm. so yeah it's very powerful but it's, yeah. it's different it's not an exercise that you hear about a lot so i think it's yeah. quite nice to talk about something yeah something slightly stoic but that has a real useful application and i use this a lot and i find that my level of gratitude for lots of things in my life lots of people in my life is just like honestly it completely changes you spend a little bit of time thinking about something um or someone not being in your life and then trust me the next moment your gratitude just goes through the roof and you're like okay i need to call so and so and and actually it's uh, it's it can be really really positive so there's quite a fine line between living in the state of gratitude for it versus living in the state of fear of loss it's it's all about the state of gratitude but i think that it can trigger that when we when we have that realization and appreciation for how temporary everything is in life mm -hmm. everything is temporary um this level of impermanence that they talk a lot about in buddhism and they talk about impermanence and stoicism as well and it's it's remembering that uh, and it's an important exercise because you know it's so easy for us to take things for granted so that's really why we're doing it and yeah. it can help us it's, it's very powerful and it can help us to um really appreciate the things that we have in our lives and that can help us with our anxiety well, here's the, here's the paradox with this one. If you're not in a great place, thinking about things negatively and catastrophizing, we know is not a great thing. But it's um, yeah, it's it's a funny one because some, for some people, this exercise, I probably wouldn't advise doing it because I think if you if you, <laughs> which is so, uh, which is so funny because it's like, you know, you can use it, and I've personally been in a very anxious space, but I still I use this now all the time. But it's uh, it, it depends on who you are. But I think we can we can play around with it. But it's uh, yeah. it's just being careful with it as well. Yeah. Because I, I don't want people to 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 get the wrong end of the the stick with this and start to sort of catastrophize, which is we know that that's that's not a, a yeah. great thing where people just suddenly spiral out of control and everything is terrible. That's definitely not what this exercise is about. Mm. This is very much about cultivating gratitude and actually those things haven't happened but we're using this level of impermanence for everything around us as a as a prompt to be more grateful human beings mm. so it's a very positive thing but mm. i can see how some people would uh, respond to it in a um you, you just got to be careful with it
would it be fair to say that then when you bring your mind back into the moment, into the physical present moment that we're in, with the mind having gone into all the different scenarios, because I know that people even use this in business, for example, they use it as a, you know, I'm going into such and such meeting or such and such pitch, what are the different outcomes? And how can I work around them? So how can I prepare for them? So that's very much on the response. But I think what you're talking about here is that you then bring yourself back into the physical present moment into your body and realize that all of those things aren't present right here and now and that you then become much more acutely aware of what you're grateful for in this moment having taken your mind to places which don't exist technically absolutely yeah and it's grounding us ourselves in the moment and in the present moment and in reality as well where we are right now it's a different it's a complicated and advanced exercise i think i mean for me personally i've used this to to great effect and i've i've found that thinking about these things can help me have um, a heightened level of appreciation for people in my life. And, yeah. and this is a big part of stoicism. So yeah. it's uh, interesting to explore this idea as well. Yeah. I plan to talk about that negative visualization in my workshop because it is a huge part of stoicism. Mm-hmm. We can use, I, I've explained it, but there's memento mori as well as a concept within stoicism about like focus on the fact that you're mortal, that you're going to die. Um, <laughs> It's helping you to live with purpose by remembering the fact that life is temporary. It's a very Buddhist concept as well, yeah. um, remembering that we are mortal. So um, there's a heavy emphasis on that within Stoicism. So I feel that it's a topic that's important to talk about. Now, before you move on to the next uh, adventures and the next things that, that are coming up for, for you, um, are there any things left on your anti-bucket list that you still have to try that... Uh, that you haven't shared with the world yet <laughs> yeah there's loads yeah? the anti-bucket list yeah there's so many things that um still scare me and that i'm working up to and, and whatnot one of the good ones that i'm i'm looking forward to doing it i still haven't done it and everyone's going to be like oh it's not that bad um but <laughs> follow, following on from my um fear of needles yeah. is uh, giving blood because uh, like blood just really freaks me out um so that that's I know. <laughs> Look at your face. You're so like unimpressed by it. I'm not unimpressed at all. I'm very impressed <laughs> by all the things that you want to do. <laughs> but yeah, for so for me, the giving blood, the giving blood looks very. Is it a matter of how much blood, or just giving blood in general? I think it's the the thought of having pints of blood. Yeah, just in a bag. But then that's that's something for me to work. Your with face and, has changed and, uh, now as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> pints of blood in a bag. <laughs> yeah exactly it's uh it's looking for things like that and playing around with it so i'm kind of looking forward to it i know it sounds weird because i know that i'm gonna struggle with it yeah um, well i'm looking forward to seeing on your instagram when it's done <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know it'll be it'll be an interesting experience so yeah, yeah it's, it's just finding things like that so yeah and there's plenty more as well so um, it's ongoing, isn't it? And as we change as people, different yeah. things come up and it can be Love fun. It. So Ben, what is next? So now that you've had incredible success with this book, um, and I, you know, anyone that can go on social media and can see, you can see how many people are influenced by it and how it's just growing and everyone's really loving all these different challenges that you've set, all different types of people, all different backgrounds, ages. Um, what's coming up next in the world of Ben Aldridge? So there's lots of things in the pipeline uh, and it's finding for me the the thing at the moment is finding the balance between 
going out and continually pushing myself and finding new ways to challenge myself, but also to um, have that element of creativity and to, to mm. write more books and projects. So I won't talk about it too much yet, but yeah, you can, I, I've got so many books in my head and there's so many things that I want to write about. So there's definitely, yeah, more on that in the future. Amazing. So where can people actually come and find more about you? Because I know I mentioned your Instagram, but perhaps you can mention it now and, and where they can get more of your wisdom and more exposure to the sorts of things that you that you share with us. Where can people go? So the best place to connect, I, I think go to my website first, benaldridge.com. And from there, there's links to social. There's a link to my book. There's an active blog. There's loads of pictures from me doing ridiculous things as well. So that's a, that's a good hub. And then um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's quite a good place to, to see what I've been up to. So the handle for that is at do things that challenge you. And uh, it's a mix of quotes and, and challenges and pictures of random stuff. So um, <laughs> it's quite fun. That's where I'm most active. And yeah. then I've got Twitter account as well, which the handle for that is at I am Ben Aldridge. So I'm also doing a workshop in September, 5th of September, actually. Uh, and that's on stoicism. And it's at 10 o'clock on the 5th UK time. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Get to explore some of the uh, core stoic principles in, in detail as well. Amazing. Well, Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today and for speaking to our amazing uh, our listeners and sharing all this wisdom with us. We've gone through so many different topics uh, whilst we've been chatting. And of course, uh, everyone should pick up your book and join the workshop that you'll be doing with us. You're an incredible presenter. You're super engaging. And I know that everyone sticks around to ask you lots of questions afterwards as well. So um, looking forward to your talk with us uh, coming up. Well, thank you so much for having me on it's been a pleasure to chat to you and I really appreciate this opportunity so thank you thanks Ben for more information about the Wellbeing Festival visit mindbodyspirit.co.uk today's episode was sponsored by Larabar I've been your host Pavani Vias and this episode was produced by Josh Roberts and our sound engineer Erin Milliken thanks for listening and we'll be back very soon